0: We are continuing our series, Vintage Church, and our focus today, really because it's Labor Day, so I thought one thing that we could do is talk about a vintage subject, which is the whole concept of work. And uh, I think it's sort of a vintage subject now, because one thing it seems like that's becoming more and more uh, prevalent is, is really not to work, but to see what we can get without ever having to work. Now I know that whenever I was younger, I, I would fall into that same category as well. And I'm sure some of you can think as you were growing up, some of the, some of the chores that your parents gave you uh, whenever you were younger. Of course, Amy was up here. She had the plunger and the bucket up here. And I probably brought back some memories for some of you, probably bad. Um, I think about some of the chores that I had uh, whenever I was younger. And you know, I had to mow the yard. My, and I've told you all before, my parents were very... Uh, They were uh, uh, neat freaks to say the least. I mowed our yard twice a week as well. And uh, so as time went on, I started trying to figure out how I could, you know, get out of doing stuff. And I got pretty creative at uh, trying to figure out ways that I could get out of doing my work or doing a job. But what we're going to look at today is we're going to find out that with God, that work is something that matters. Uh, With God, work is something that is actually good. Now I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but Ecclesiastes 3.13 tells us that work is something that is a gift from God. And so today in our scripture that we're going to be looking at today is we're going to be seeing that God points out to us that the way that we work, the way that we use our gifts, the way that we use our talents are actually things that matter to God. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking today in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, we're going to look in verse number 14 and some of, the, some of the verses that are following there. But the Bible, again, is it's just simply going to point out to us in our text today, which is a parable that Jesus tells, that our gifts, our talents, our work are actually all things that come from God. And so the, the question for us then, what kind of work am I doing? You know, am I, am I doing the kind of work, am I doing the kind of job where God would look at me and say, yep, you're doing what I've called you to do. You are putting in a good day's work. So how would God view your work? How would God view the way that you are using your giftedness and, and your talents for him? And so it's my hope that we're going to discover a few things as we go through Matthew chapter 25 in verse number 14 in just a few moments. But I want to give you a little bit of a background as to what we're going to be reading today. Uh, This passage of Scripture, is Matthew 25, where we are historically here is we are coming to the end of Jesus' life. Uh, In Matthew, the book of Matthew, there's 28 chapters. So when you get to chapter 25... I mean, you're really moving through Jesus' life. What's coming up next for Jesus as we get to this text, it is the cross. I mean, Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. And so as he's moving into this this realm, he's talked about it quite a bit. And so his disciples, you know, they're kind of curious. They, They don't really know exactly what's going on, but they began to ask him questions. And one of the questions they ask him is, Hey, hey, Jesus, what's it going to be like whenever the the end of the world is approaching? What's it going to be like right before it's time for you to set yourself up as being a king? And so it's here that Jesus shares with them a story. And it's a story that is very helpful in understanding work, in understanding what God has called us to do. And so what I hope to to gain from today is that we'll be able to see just a few, you know, sort of like life lessons that we can take away about work and about our own lives. And this is the very first thing that I think you can, that you can pull from our text today when it comes to our lives and when it comes to our work. The very first truth is this, that Jesus shares. First thing that he shares with us is that with your life and with your work, you are are the manager of it. You are the one who manages your life. Now, I want to read to you from verse number 14 of chapter 25. And as Jesus is getting ready to tell a parable or a story here, he says, For it's just like a man going on a journey, and he called his own slaves and turned over his possessions to them. Okay, so here's the story Jesus is telling. So there's this, this guy, he's a wealthy guy, he's, you know, he's a master, he's wealthy enough to be able to have servants or have slaves, and as he's getting ready to leave, he calls his servants in, he calls his slaves in, he says, and I'm going to, I'm turning over my possessions to you. I right, mean, what's up with that? Well, it's not that just he's handing stuff over and saying, hey, y'all keep it. He's saying, I'm going out of town for a while, while I'm out of town, I want you to work, to, to do a good job of keeping all of my stuff up. You are going to be managing what I am leaving behind. Now, when I read that, I thought, well, that, that makes sense to me. Uh, it makes sense to me and that there are times whenever our family, we will leave town. And when we leave town, we, because we have, we have animals at our house, now, not rodents, but, you know, animals, you know, pets. And so when we go to town, we don't bring them with us. And so we will ask, usually a neighborhood kid or something like that, to come over to our house, like, while we're gone, we need you to take care of our pets. Uh, You know, we need you to feed them, to take them out for a walk. Because if if they don't do that, then our pets are probably not going to survive, right? And so we we want them to, to take them out. Now, also, we want them to take them out because if you just left them in our house they would tear everything up. So we want somebody to, to take them out, to, to care for them, so that when we come back, our house will not be in just complete disarray. Okay, now back to the story. You might say, well, how does the story apply to me? Well, there's a parallel that's being drawn uh, in this story as to what's happening in Jesus' life. Chapter 25, what's getting ready to happen to Jesus? He's getting ready to go to the cross. And so Jesus is telling them through the story, I'm getting ready to go away. And when I go away, I'm basically, I'm handing the keys of this house, of this life over to you. So you take care of everything while I'm gone. But the implication was that, but I am coming back. I'm leaving now, but there's going to be a day... When I'm going to come back. And so while I'm away, I want you to manage your life. I want you to manage your work well. Because I've given you your talents and your gifts. Now the biggest resource that God had given his disciples. That God has given us that we are to manage. It is our very lives. Your life matters. Your life is tremendously important. Listen to what the Bible says about our lives. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14 says, For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. That means that every breath that you take, every talent that you have every gift that you've been given it is something that has come from God and Jesus wants you to use your life, your talents your giftedness your work to its fullest potential because he's going out of town for a while he's gone right now but there's coming a day when he's going to come back we're told in 1 Corinthians 6 20 you're not your own You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. God says, I am the one who's given you life, and I want you to manage your life well. To use your work and your giftedness for me. Now, in, in some senses, knowing that I am a manager of what God's given me, it takes some pressure off of me. Uh, now, there, is a, there is a difference between somebody who is a manager and somebody who is an owner. And for believers, here, here's the neat thing to discover. You do not own your life. 1 Corinthians 6 says you were bought at a price. And so you belong to God. Therefore, I'm the manager. Now, knowing that I'm not the one who is in complete charge, I'm not the one who is the owner of my own life, that makes me relax a little bit. I'm like, hey, God's the one who's responsible for all this stuff. So, so, so my job is simply to manage the life that God has given me. Now, here's what I've discovered in my own life. Uh, because I'm not the owner, uh, it, it does not stress me out that, I am not, that I'm not the best singer. Now, you, you notice I was not singing in the choir today. I love to sing, but I ain't no good. Now, I wish I was, but I'm not. Now, is that my fault? It's not my fault. You know why it's not my fault? Because I didn't make me. So I get, i one sense, you can say, well, are you saying it's God's fault? No, God just didn't gift me there. Uh, athletically, something else I've discovered. I am not the best athlete in the world. That doesn't stress me out anymore. You know why? I, I didn't make me. That, that's not my deal. I don't have to worry about that. Now, where I do have a responsibility, though, is God has given me some gifts that I am to use to their fullest ability. And the same thing is absolutely true with you. Now, what is disappointing is when you've been gifted. Maybe you're not gifted athletically or in singing, or maybe you are. But in whatever area you're gifted in, but you don't that you don't harness that gift and that talent, and you just let it waste away. That's so disappointing when you see that happen. I, I've seen it happen in sports. I, I've shared y'all with y'all before. My, my favorite sport. I, I just I love to watch. I love baseball. I know some people say it's boring. And the people who say that, it's it's because baseball, it's a cerebral game. It's a thinking smart people love baseball. And I just love baseball. When I started dating Emily, Emily still to watch this is back when the Braves, well, sort of like now, they were awful. And Emily would watch all the games with me, and I was like, I am definitely gonna marry this lady. She likes baseball. We get married, guess what happens? She doesn't watch she does not watch baseball anymore. Just ticks me off. Anyway. So I like I like baseball, but I remember when I was younger, I used to love the Dodgers. And there was a guy named Steve Howe that came out, and you might remember him as a left-handed pitcher. It's so a long time ago, it's vintage, a long time ago. Left-handed pitcher came out like in 1980. Uh, that people thought he's gonna, he's going to be a superstar. Superstar at Michigan. He comes out first year is rookie of the year. Second year the Dodgers win the World Series. Third year he's having trouble with drugs and alcohol. I mean he is he is an absolute mess. By the time his 17-year career ends, he has been suspended from baseball seven times, receiving finally a lifetime ban. His overall record was like 47 and 41, but a lot of the writers said had he kept his life under control, had he managed his life better, they said they really believed that physically he had the ability to be one of the greatest left-handed pitchers of all time and make it to the Hall of Fame. Now guys, here's the deal. Our lives are a precious gift from God, and in His sovereignty, God has given us the ability to manage our own lives. Now here's the question. How are you utilizing the gifts that God has given you? How are you working? You might say, well, what does God want me to do? Well, in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, it's what Jesus said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, so what does God want us to do? Well, he says he wants you to love him and he wants you to love other people and serve others. And, and you can do that in whatever way you're gifted. But you are the manager of all of that. You decide how you're going to work. You decide even how hard you're going to work. And so just one thing I want us to see, the first truth about your life and about your work, is you get to manage it. But here's the second truth. You're unique. Your life is unique. Now, look with me in verse 15. It says, To one, and this is in the story again, To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And then he went on a journey, and immediately the man who'd received five talents went, and he put them to work, and he earned five more. The same way the man who'd earned two, or with two, earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, when you read that story, there's something that you probably notice, and that is that the master did not give each one of his servants the same amount. Gave one guy five talents, another two, another one. What is a talent? Uh, this is, it's, it's really, it was a weight. You, you would weigh the money, and the, money, the, the weight of the money determined its value. So one talent in today's economy was basically worth like a $1,000. So one guy got five, five, five grand one guy got two, and one guy got one. Now, if you're like me, you look at this story and say, well, that ain't fair. I mean, why, why did somebody get more than another person? I mean, that, that doesn't seem to be right. But, and, you know, we, y'all, we do live in a time now where fairness is a big part of the conversation, so we look at this and we can say, well, not even the Bible's fair. Okay, well, let's look at this. Okay, the master's the one who's handing out the money. Who, who did the money belong to? It's the master's, right? Now, what does that mean? It means the master can do with it whatever he wants to do. Do you know God is the same way? God is the one, the Bible says, God is the owner of all things and he distributes as he sees fit. How does God distribute then? Well, what that means, you may have noticed that God has gifted some people in some ways and other people in other ways. Uh, again, we can go back. There are some people who've been gifted athletically, and some of us have not been. Uh, there are some of us who've been gifted in making making uh, money, and there are others of us who don't do as well in making as much money. Now, guys, just because I don't have the ability to dunk a basketball, and I know that's shocking to you, uh, that that does not mean that God has shafted me physically just means he's not gifted me in that one particular area. But he has gifted me and he has gifted you in other areas. So it's a waste of time for me to become resentful and to become jealous of people who have gifts, who have talents in areas where I'm not gifted and where I'm not talented. My responsibility is to use the giftedness that God has given me and that he's given you to use it to the fullest of our abilities see God wants us to fully represent the body of Christ now where we get in trouble is when I look at somebody's gift and I say his gift and his talent is more important than the gift and the talent that I have it's absolutely not true I mean, th- think about it you know, spiritually The scripture says that those who follow Jesus, they make up the body of Christ. Now, there are a lot of different parts to the body, but they're all necessary. Now, some of them are more glorious than others. If I had the choice between being an eye or being a toe, I'm choosing eye. Uh, You know what? Because it would be kind of nice to be able to see. Um, I'd be able to experience things. I mean, if you're a toe... You can't see anything, right? I mean you're way down low. You don't smell good. You know nobody wants to see you. You cover it up with a sock. But but does that mean that the eye is more important than the toe? Not really. Uh, it, the toe's tremendously important. You, uh, you know our feet, our toes they, they give us balance. Our feet, our toes, they enable us to walk. They enable us to run. The idea is that whenever the eye and the feet are working together, then, then they're, the, it may, it real, what happens is it really just makes life much more enjoyable. So do, don't think that just because you don't have a certain talent or you don't have a certain job that somebody else has, that it means that they, are, that they are better than you or that the job that you have is not as important. If the body of Christ is going to function correctly, then all of the body parts need to be working as God intended them to work. Regardless of what your job is, regardless of what you do, you are making a significant contribution when you work hard. Now, let me give you an example. And I, I read this story and I thought, well, that's a pretty neat story. Now, there was a guy named Antonio, he was Italian, and whenever he was a young boy, he loved music. And so he wanted to sing, it's like he wanted to be in our choir. And so he started singing, and the choir director heard him sing, and he said, you're not good. And he told him, he said, your voice is too squeaky, he said, you need to do something else. And so he left the choir, and so he said, well, I love music, and want to take violin lessons. And so he started playing the violin. He was so bad at the violin, when the neighbors heard him playing constantly, they went to his parents and said, please make him stop. Chris, you remember these days, we had, we had children that played violin. And so it was like, ooh, you're not gifted there. And so his parents said, you're not going to, no, I'm not saying that about Chris's daughter. Uh, I'm just talking about mine. Uh, so anyway, so he went, went through that whole deal. So he quits playing the violin, but he loved music. So what was he good at? Well, there's one thing he was good at. He could carve. Now, this guy's name was his Antonio Stradivarius. And so he couldn't sing, could not play a violin, but man, he could carve the hang out of violins. Made 150,000 of them. Hundreds of years later, because he used his giftedness, we are still able to enjoy the music from his gift. Now, I don't know where you are gifted. I don't know what ability God has given you. Maybe you're, you're very, maybe you're very quiet and shy and you're a person who likes to work behind the scenes or maybe you're boisterous and very gregarious. You like to work outside in front of everybody. I, I don't know what your gifts are, but you want to develop them. You want to work hard because there's a reason why God gave you that gift. Now, there might might be some of you and you grew up in homes where you had family members or you had friends who told you, your life will not amount to much. You may have heard people tell you that you're not valuable, but guys, let me tell you something. You are valuable. God made you and he only made one of you. And he made you for a reason. He made you unique. And he found you so unique and so valuable that he gave his only son for you that he could spend an eternity with you. Now what does the Bible have to say about life and about work? You're the manager, you're unique, but here's one I think is tremendously important. You'll be held accountable. The way you work, the way you live, you're going to be held accountable for that. In verse number 19, it says, after a long time, remember the master's gone away, it says, "'But after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with him. And the man who'd received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, "'Master, you, you gave me five talents. Look, I've earned five more.' And his master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy.'" And the man with the two talents also approached, and he said, Master, you gave me two talents. Look, I've earned two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And then the man who'd received the one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a difficult man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off, and I hid your talent in the ground look you have what is yours and then it goes on to say and the master took that one talent from him so if you knew i was a hard man you should have at least invested it he took his gift away from him and he gave it to somebody else you know every uh, every year emily my wife emily goes off with some of her high school friends and they still keep in contact and they have a girls like weekend thing and they leave on thursday or friday and then come back sunday and whenever that happens, and it's me and and the kids are at the house by ourselves, and when she leaves, things kind of get a little slack at the house. Um, you know, when she's there, you know, there's meals, the dishes are washed, the beds are made. She leaves, I don't make the beds because I'm thinking we're getting them tonight anyway. Um, and then you know, the the house is not vacuumed. We try to we try to really use the full capacity of the sink. I'm gonna we'll see how many dishes it can possibly hold. And so, you know, we kind of go, it's just sort of like that. And then Sunday comes. Now, when Sunday comes, she's coming home. And um, so as soon as church is over, man, I go home, and guess what I start doing? I start cleaning. I vacuum in the house. I'm, you know, I'm whittling down the pile of dishes in the sink, trying to make sure everything looks nice. And I do that because when she comes home, I want everything to be clean. I want her to be happy when she gets home. Now, some of us approach God in a similar sense. We think, wait, well, I'm going to get everything all right and everything all cleaned up just before he comes. And then when he comes, and he's, it'll be good. And that's, that sounds like a good plan to me because that's what I do when my wife's coming home. But here's the difference. When, with God, we don't know when he's coming back. With God, you don't know how long you have to live. In our text today, and Jesus is pointing this out in our text, Jesus said, the master came back unannounced. And it says, and when he came back, he said, I am going to settle accounts. What does that mean? What it meant was he was going to settle accounts. He was going to look at what he left behind for his workers and see what kind of a job they did. What kind of job they did. First two guys, they invested, they worked, and they made more. And God said, I bless you. He gave them more. Now, as I thought about that, I thought, you know, that's what happened. When we work, when we invest, when we use our giftedness and our talents for God, did you know God blesses that? When when you're at work and you work hard, God will honor that. I think of the church. God's honored that. This church, and what, what I've seen through the years, you know how God's gifted our church? And there's many ways, but one of the ways God has gifted this church is you guys are doers. You guys are servants. You guys are involved in the community. And because of that, as you've gone out and you've worked hard and used your giftedness, God has opened doors for us that we didn't even ask to be opened. God's opened doors in schools for us. God's opened doors in neighborhoods for us where people are saying, please come and help us. God, God blesses when we work hard. Now, here's the other side of the story. But when we don't use our giftedness, Like the guy in our... God gave him one talent, and he went and buried it and didn't use it. You know what God did? He took it away from him. Guys, when we don't work, when we do not use our giftedness and our talents, God will take it away from us, and he'll take away our effectiveness. Now, why would God do that? Well, here's the deal. God holds us accountable. You see, we, we manage, but God will hold us accountable... For how we live and how we work. So well, is that true? Well, let's Romans 14, 10 through 12. It says, We will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. And not only that, then God's going to look and say, Well, let's just see what you've done. Let's see your work. And God's going to also hold us accountable for our work. 1 Corinthians three twelve and 13. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day is going to bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Isn't that interesting? God is going to test the work that we do, how we've lived. So what does that mean? Work hard. What does that mean? It means God has blessed you and gifted you for a reason. You are unique. Your life matters. Your work matters. And it matters because as you work and as you use your life in the way that God has blessed you, it will bless the people around you. I just want to leave you with this. In your life and in your work, you're the manager. You are unique. And God will hold you accountable. And that doesn't necessarily have to be scary. As you work hard, God blesses. If you don't, then God can remove that blessing from you and he can give it to somebody else. So I just want to encourage you and and even myself, let's commit together to using our gifts and our talents to honor God to honor him because we want his name to be known and we live in a world that needs to know of Jesus who loves us who created us and who made us for a reason